Phillipsgang.com/slash/sex. Find out more at phillipsgang.com or call 877-600-GANG. That's 877-600-4264. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. I'm Chuck Hamlick, CNBC. A big finish to the week on Wall Street. The Dow picked up 269 points, the NASDAQ 36, the S&P 19. Big banks carried the markets and the day. J.P. Morgan Chase said consumers spent more money on auto loans and their credit cards. PNC's profits rose because it lo- its loans cost more money. And Wells Fargo just cut more costs. Disney's new streaming service costs $7 a month, and you'll get all the Star Wars, Marvel, and Pixar shows you can handle. Tesla will stop selling the Model 3 online. You can still order one on the phone or at a store if you can find one that's open. Some flyers won't take this news lying down. Delta will limit how far back seats can recline, just two inches instead of four, so passengers won't disturb each other. And next Saturday, 420, ConAgra will come out with a special version of its Handicaps Fully Baked Hot Munchies. ConAgra focusing on where the real money is. Chuck Kamlick, CNBC. Are you a stock or options trader looking for real trading strategies that you can use immediately? Hi, my name is Scott Bauer, CEO of Prosper Trading Academy, and I'm on a mission to become the number one options coach in America. I'm a former vice president at Goldman Sachs. I have over 25 years of options trading experience, and right now, I'm giving away my most famous options guide with over 20 unique options strategies that I use every day for free. You can't buy this guide anywhere. To claim your free options trading guide, simply call 855. You're catering a wedding, and the bride says, Everyone is raving about the hors d'oeuvres. My aunt was asking if you do corporate events. Now is the time when the right business card is essential, and Vistaprint can help. Head to Vistaprint.com, and you can customize 500 cards starting at just $9.99. You choose the paper, the shape, and the finish. Whatever your style, create a card that gives you the confidence to own the now. So head to Vistaprint.com and get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 3636 at checkout. That's vistaprint.com, promo code 3636. NBC News Radio. I'm Tom Roberts. President Trump is defending a proposal to dump illegal immigrants in sanctuary cities. At the White House today, Trump said he's strongly considering the proposal. We have horrible, old fashioned laws that are put in by the Democrats. We're willing to change them. We can do it in. I used to say 45 minutes, we can do it in 15 minutes. President Trump is calling 5G a big deal. At the White House today, Trump said the U.S. must take the lead in advanced wireless systems and faster speeds. Reports say someone tried to set himself on fire in front of the White House this afternoon. Social media images show Capitol Police carrying the man away from the scene. A five-year-old is fighting for his life after being thrown or pushed from the third level of the Mall of America near Minneapolis to the ground. A man is in custody. The test-taker genius in the middle of the college admissions cheating scandal is pleading guilty to his role in the scheme. Mark Riddell is accused of taking ACTs and SATs for students of wealthy parents, working with scandal mastermind Rick Singer. Tom Roberts, NBC News Radio. Hi, everyone. It's Yanitza Munoz from the publications Maxim, FHM, and Sports Illustrated. So being a model, I have to work out a lot. It's tough staying in shape, especially keeping my abs. Until I discovered TC1 Gel. TC1 Gel is a thermogenic gel that you rub on your waist 15 minutes before exercising. Then simply put on the TC1 sweat belt and start your workout. You'll sweat like crazy and feel the burn. It focuses on boosting circulation, increasing perspiration, It activates body heat, reduces muscle fatigue, and burns off more calories. Get your TC1 gel now. Go to tc1gel.com and use the code RADIO30 for 30% off discount on this amazing product. tc1gel.com and get your abs back or just get in shape. Follow their Instagram at tc1gel. If you're looking for a full or part-time sales position and you have radio, TV, or print media experience, KCAA has a great opportunity waiting for you that pays the highest commissions in the market. KCAA is the only station in the IE that broadcasts on three frequencies, so advertisers receive three ads for one low rate. This makes KCAA a must-buy for every local business. If you're interested in a sales position with us, email CEO at KCAARadio.com. It's time to make the Tri-City Center in Redlands a regular part of your weekly shopping experience. Tri-City is home to a wide assortment of quality businesses, including the all-new Ocean Aquatics. 
Check out their variety of exotic tropical fish along with fish food, accessories, and tanks of all shapes and sizes. The Tri-City Center is located just off of Alabama and the Tennessee exits in Redlands. Visit the Tri-City Center today and find out why it's called the Mall with a Heart. Now here's word about a free home buyer workshop on Wednesday, April 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Yucaipa Business Incubator Center. That's at 34282 Yucaipa Boulevard, corner of 5th Street and Yucaipa Boulevard. Dinner will be provided. There's opportunity prizes and giveaways, but seating is limited. Learn to provide strategies for home buying in 2019. Create your action plan. Learn about credit, mortgage, insurance, and more. Hosted by Elite Financial Credit, Financial 2000, and Joe Amlani's State Farm. RSVP today at 909-570-9048. That's 909-570-9048 or info at EliteFinancialCredit.com. Talk 102.3 FM Riverside. Thank you, America, for making us radio's number one, number one, number one format for eight years. Talk 102.3 FM, Riverside. KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. Hi, and welcome to the Capital Raising Club. I'm your host, Rose Vitali, co-founder of the Capital Raising Club. I'm here to help make sense out of business, investments, and capital raising. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an investor. It is with extreme pleasure I'd like to introduce uh, Stephanie May, who is a good friend and a business associate of mine. Stephanie and I have been working together for a couple of years, and I have found her to be the uh, entrepreneur that sets all the records. You know, she has a, an interesting background, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But what I want to focus on right now is the fact that she's the bringer of momentum to businesses. She's really good at uh, specifying the uh, methods that you use to be most successful and then the uh, tools that you bring to it is to uh, help it launch and correctly run. Now, Stephanie is also adept at uh, going out to secure money, which is the topic of today's discussion. And then I'd like to talk to you about a couple of other things. One of them is uh, she's really good at uh, figuring out the genius within people and drawing that out. And uh, as such, she's an excellent coach, mentor, and educator. And she's a very spirited speaker, as you will soon discover. Uh, she is, uh, her background is uh, with uh, quite a number of different organizations. She has uh, a lot of teaching experience at uh, colleges, and uh, she is one of those persons that uh, once you get to know, you maintain her as a friend forever. Stephanie, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you here with us. Um Stephanie, you have a very broad and diverse background that appears to revolve around three key business activities. The first and the one we're going to focus on very intensely today is uh, developing and writing business plans and then raising the investment and operating capital. And the second is uh, setting up and running franchise businesses, which you've done quite a number of times. And then you are also... Uh, an expert at setting up and running live events for hundreds of people, which is could be a form of uh, capital raising or uh, education around uh, the use of capital. But today we're going to focus on the first two items, uh, writing a business plan and raising the money, and then talking about the franchise businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get started dealing with money in business? I had just moved to California after uh, uh, the breakup of my second marriage. I was a single mom, had two rambunctious kids, and I was cleaning houses by day and going to school at night. And one of the uh, ladies that I was cleaning houses for um, gave me an offer if I would clean her home office, uh, she would take me to this wealth building event. 
And I'm like, you know, I'm on I'm basically on food stamps here and cleaning houses and going to school. What's in it for me? Right. To go to this wealth building event. But um, she said that she would buy my lunch and she would pay for it and everything. And I thought, what the hell? So it was a wealth building event with Laura Langmeyer uh, of Live Out Loud at the time. And she started talking about um, uh, she was a single mom and how, uh, well, she found herself to be pregnant uh, and single. And she decided that she wasn't going to live that way. And she made herself a millionaire before uh, the baby was born. And I was so impressed by her story and by her energy that I got up and went to the back of the room and told uh, uh, the woman that was, you know, behind the table there how they have at seminars. And I told her, you look way too busy. You need to hire me. And I kind of just bugged the hell out of them for two or three weeks until they finally hired me as a scheduler for the sales uh for the sales gals in her office. And that's kind of how I got into the conversation. That started the conversation with me about building wealth and about growing businesses and real estate investing and and all of that. And I just really learned so much from her and everybody else that was in her organization, the coaches and and the clients, I just really sucked them dry for all that education that I could get from you know uh, uh, from them. It was a uh, it was an incredible time. I bet it was. What? Uh, how many years have you been at it? Uh, would you guess? Uh, almost twenty now. That was in two thousand. Uh, yeah, I, I remember exactly because that's when I kind of started life over again uh, in two thousand. So it's been almost twenty years ago now. Well, good for you. So let's get to the facts of the matter here. Why is it important to have a business plan? You you have to know what the heck you're talking about. And I was um, I was one of those who resisted the whole business plan. Uh, you know, totally. It just sounded like so much dang work. And like, you know, what's the point? But when you you going through the business plan and doing your research and it's it's an information and data driven process and the best ones include the information that your investors look for for their decision making process. You have to have the data. You just have to. And and I, I think more importantly, um, one of the things that many entrepreneurs and business owners you know do is is we get excited we have this great product we have this service it's the best thing since sliced bread or or what have you and and it's going to it's going to change the world and we don't really do the testing we don't get the data we're not we, we don't have what we need to be sure that we're going to have the best chances of success Right. I mean, so many businesses fail within, well, whatever that time frame is, depending on what what article or expert you're talking to. Right. But, yeah, you have to you have to know your numbers. You have to know your stuff. And Stephanie, what do you feel? What do you feel is the biggest problem as terms of why they fail? Do you think it's because they're not funded well? Do you think it's because of management? What, what do you feel is the biggest determining factor there? Uh, I think that there's a, 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 a number of factors. I think one of the most imp- uh, uh, critical ones are skills. You know, the, so, um, the, the time of being a sole proprietor and being a lone ranger out here in this complicated economy that we've created is, is like long gone. There are so many skills that, um, uh, that a business needs and so many entrepreneurs and business owners well, you know, none of us are perfect. All of us are good at some things and we're not good at other things. And leaders need to be constantly working on those skills. They need to constantly work on their mindset and they need to have individuals on their team to help with those skills that they are lacking in. And I think that that's a, a, la- a lack of experience all the way around. I think, you know, funding is another um, another issue. 
And I think that many companies fail to um, stay vigilant on generating revenue. You know, sales and delivery, sales and delivery, sales and delivery. We uh, entrepreneurs and uh, uh, many sole proprietors were so busy doing a million different things um, that we don't always do the sales that we need to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you've mentioned is the word team. How important is a team in today's economy? Oh, uh, I think it's critical. I think it's 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 more critical and necessary than than ever before. Um, there's just so much expertise that you know to be had. I, I was kind of joking with my daughter. Uh, I still go to her. Hey, I, I can't get this thing. I, I can't get this thing to work on my smartphone. I can't. I, I can't figure this thing out. I can't do this or I can't do that. And I was, was kind of laughing because it used to be something that I used to teach people how to do 20 or 30 years ago. But you know, stuff changed. Technology has affected every single piece of our life. And it has turned even buying a television set into a research project. You know, what's the best kind for me? And, and what do all these terminology, what does all this stuff mean, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's you have to have people on your side. You got to have people who are going to help you grow, going to help you discover, um, you know, that, uh, that are going to help you stretch and get out there and make it happen. Yeah, I found that to be true. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, I, I was just going to, um, you know, uh, talk about that because I think you're so right, Stephanie, in terms of, you know, having the right people on your team. I think that's why, you know, at the early stages of any company, um, having a great mentor is super important mm -hmm. oh, yeah. uh, in, in, in success. And I know that, you know, me and John, we've worked together in a number of different aspects and, you know, some of his inputs um, has really helped our company. And so, um, so I know the importance of that. Um, my, I have a question for you. What do you feel is the biggest challenge with um, working with uh, investors did you find in raising capital? Um, the biggest challenge in raising capital uh, yeah. What, what do you feel is the biggest challenge working with investors and raising capital? Uh, I, I, I would say 99% of it is your mindset. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard having those conversations. It's hard putting yourself out there. It's hard um, um, asking uh, or, or, and I, let me rephrase that. Knowing what to say, how to say it, who to say it to, and how to um, make it easy instead of hard is kind of, you know, that's the point. That's what we're here for. That's that's why you get all the support and, and help that you need on your team to make that happen. I think that communication with your investors um, is was, for me, very challenging. Um, you know, once people give you their money, or in, in investors in general, they have a wide range of experience and knowledge. Some of them are savvy investors. Some of them are first-time investors. Some of them have unreal expectations, and some of them have no expectations at all. But getting that communication and making sure that you're telling them, um, you know, what they need to know is is extremely critical. And I found too that, you know, just once you start working with an investor, there's still ongoing communications that need to be, that need to, to, to take place and keeping somebody up to date and keeping an investor happy and content, um, is, a it was for me very challenging. And that was a hard lesson to learn. You can turn a happy investor into a really ticked off individual who's <laughs> who can make a lot of problems for you very quickly by not communicating um, uh, by not communicating efficiently, effectively, and you know, and enough. Some you know some investors want you to call them 
um, every other day to find out what's going on, de- depending on your business and your model and what you're doing, how much money have they given you, what the deal is. So, yeah, it's it's very challenging in communicating. And I think, again, as leaders and business owners, that's something uh that we need to continually focus on mindset and communication. There you go. Well, I found uh, mindset is like you to be the controller of what uh, everything else turns out to be. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of a mindset would a person want to have when they sit down to write up a business plan? What would you propose? Um, it's necessary to be open and flexible and recognize that, um, you might not be, uh, uh, the best expert. Uh, there are people out there with more knowledge and more expertise than you. I think it's critical that, uh, we keep that open mind so that we can, Oh, let's see. So that we can get the data that we need to be successful. I think that um, I've seen many individuals. Okay, here's here's the data. Here's the stuff. But I, but I just talk to my neighbor and into my mom and dad or or my or my fiance or my or my wife or hubby. I talk to these individuals in my family. You know, in, in my inner circle. To get this uh, to get this data, and nothing that you tell me is going to change my mind about the outcome. And so they move forward, building their plan with these preconceived um, ideas uh, that are not backed by the facts, by the facts or the data. So you need to be flexible and understand that. I'm starting with this, but this is my starting point. Stuff happens. I may need to to step back and reassess and, and make a few changes or completely get back to the starting point and start all over again. When you're collecting data, you're going to see the good and the bad and the ugly. And it's necessary to be able to process that and make, um, you know, make the decisions that you need to either go forward or to step back. Yeah, I think that can be hard for some people to to, to keep that open-mindedness. I was about to raise my hand and say, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me three. <laughs> Rose, what do you think about that? I think she's absolutely right. Uh, she hit the you know nail on the head there in terms of mindset because you're going to face a lot of challenges. And I think, you know, uh, being open-minded in terms of, you know, being able to be, persu- uh, you know, I guess you would have to say having somebody persuade you in a positive way because at the end of the day, everybody as an investor, uh, as an entrepreneur, we want to make money. We want to add value to people. Um, I think that one of the most important things is is if we can bring value to the table, be open-minded that that is some of the biggest challenges. You know, I've watched so many different shows, whether it be The Profit and, and at the end of the day, you know, one of the things I've learned from that is no matter how great you think your product is, you know, if you have the wrong mindset, I mean, you just can't work with people like that. And so I think that that's I think that's she said it perfectly in terms of uh, being open minded. I agree. And that's a show you referenced is a, a very good model of uh, watching people go through. Uh, a number of uh, emotional episodes <laughs> as they're operating their business. And uh, the uh, gentleman who steps in to help rescue them has to, first of all, make them aware that they are operating on a mindset that mm-hmm. is detrimental to their business. And then when he, he has their attention, he's able to uh, give them an outline of what to do to recover from it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's always a little shocking, in fact, to see how certain people will run their business into the ground because they're unwilling to open their eyes and change. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it time and time again in my own experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Prophet is one of my favorite shows. I love that show. 
But, uh, you know, I, it, it's amazing to, to see, especially you have a guy like this Marcus Limonis come in and and give you advice and, and insight. And, and he's got all these connections and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And these business and these entrepreneurs and these people that are struggling are uh, just can't. Uh, oh, how do you say that? You can't see the trees for the forest. You can't see the forest for the trees. I always get that mixed up. Yeah, I always get that mixed up. <laughs> yeah, both are true. <laughs> so uh, now uh, I have a question, and, and I, one of my questions is: is that you know I know you um, have experience in setting up and running franchises. Um, that's another way of obviously raising investor capital. Um, obviously, getting entrepreneurs who want to, you know, franchise with you for your business model. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. What you've done in terms of setting these up, and and um, how do you feel that that could be very critical in terms of uh, developing a brand? Um, starting a, a, starting a franchise for me was like a dream job because it is so system oriented <laughs> and I'm a system kind of gal, you know, I, I have to do sheets and, and my checklists and all this stuff for, for everything I do. Even when I travel, I have a checklist to make sure I don't forget anything. So I, uh, st- uh, the, most successful franchises are built on consistent, reliable systems. And, and um, the right franchise can be an amazing opportunities and others, you know, not so great. I, uh, one of the franchises that I started was uh, a, Oh, you know, when you go into the restaurants and they have those little news sheets that have the lighthearted news and jokes and cartoons, and then it's supported by the business ads of the local businesses. So I started one of those in, um, excuse me, in San Jose um, and the Sacramento Valley there. And we were just, uh, I had two branches and was just starting on my first franchisor when the smartphone came out and smartphones as everybody knows has changed um, our news and the way that that we read and and uh, and get our information in in ways that are decimating the publication industry one of my uh, franchisors told me i'm having mega challenges these you know i go into these into these restaurants to try to talk to the managers and all i see are people on their smartphones they're not reading anymore they're not doing anything and i kept hearing this from her but i was so (laughs) close-minded that i just was not listening to her i was convinced that that this model would work if we just did this or if i just did this or if i just pumped enough money into it and it took me a long time two years before i ha- i closed that business down and and i i lost probably over a quarter million uh, dollars of my own money into that venture but it just really goes to show you that you have to pay attention you got to pay attention to the market you got to pay attention to the experts and the individuals on your team that are there to tell you what's going on out there um uh, another franchise uh i think it's i think it's jamba juice in fact i'm positive it's jamba juice they have uh, a different franchises have different uh, opportunities and you need to do your research to make sure that you're getting into the right opportunity um subway is a, a subway is one of those franchises that i learned um has for example well let me start by just giving you an example if you buy a, a, a subway franchise you are limited by your demographic area. In other words, your your zone, right? You can only uh, kind of target an X amount of area because they um, have their stores and their franchises are built so close together that they limit the ability of the of the, the of the franchisee to generate more revenue. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say there, right? Absolutely. Rose, you have a lot of familiarity with that one, don't you? 
Yeah, definitely. Being in the wireless uh, industry, um, it's it's set up similar to a franchise, and so um, like they, they give you your territory, and um, um, it's, it's actually like a one-mile radius is the general rule in wireless, um, so it, it's very competitive. Yeah, so you have to I, be careful. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to be careful, and so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, raising capital in terms of, you know, expanding your brand, um, you know, obviously franchise, uh, franchising was one of the ways that we were looking at to uh, raise capital for our business because, uh, number one, the, one of the reasons why I like it, it, it puts you in a position where you don't have to um, invest you know, all of your capital in order to be successful. You have, you know, entrepreneurs who are willing to have skin in the game. Um, and But mm-hmm. you're, you're absolutely right in terms of structural, you know, making sure the structure is, is done correctly because um, look at what happened to Quiznos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, a, a Cold Stone Creamery too, when you get a Cold Stone Creamery franchise, you have to buy all this equipment directly from them. You have to buy, and you have to to get a, a certain. You have to buy this kind of ice box and this kind of, of of counter and this kind of you know freezer, whatever. All the equipment they uh, they have a, a really strong hold over what you have to buy. So. Uh, as a franchisor, you can make stream your streams of revenue can be made in all kinds of different ways. So yeah, it's it, it's a, a great opportunity to build your brand and to generate revenue. McDonald's, I don't think most people know that McDonald's makes most of their money from the real estate, not actually from the business itself, but from the bit uh, from the real estate that that the business is on. So. There's all kinds of ways as a franchise order uh, to make money and to build that brand. Well, what, based on what you've experienced so far, Stephanie, um, are there any do's and don'ts that uh, our listeners should be paying attention to when it comes to sitting down and thinking about a business plan and then contacting uh, potential investors? <clears throat> it's to do your business plan, um, I I was thinking about this earlier. You, there's a, a lot of uh, proprietary skill, I guess, is is a way to put it that that you need to have in order to build the right business plan. You got to know the uh, the research. You have to know the numbers. You got to know most businesses, and I say most here because it. If I say all, somebody's going to call me on it. Most businesses and their industries have unique challenges. Um, They have unique opportunities. They have unique barriers, regulations, all kinds of different things that need to be accounted for, especially when you're doing your financial projections and your numbers, uh, your sales projections, expenses, all that kind of stuff. You have to have somebody with the experience um, to help you get that right. I know I know a guy who does business plans, and when he does the uh, the numbers, um, that entrepreneur can take his business plan and his numbers to the bank. and And I've seen um, I've seen business owners walk out of the bank on their first meeting with their funding because they had their business plan was just spot on. Their financials and everything were were just awesome. So when you have the right skill and the right people that are helping you put the data in the right way and say the right things at the right time, your chances of success in raising that capital go up exponentially. So yeah, getting the expertise and the, and the right people on your team to help you is critical, I think. Well, that sounds really good. What about don'ts? Any particular don'ts that you would advise? For, uh, uh, for business plans? Yes. Um, uh, don't, don't assume that because it's your business and it's your product that, again, that you are, are, are the expert uh, there. Um, investors are savvy. 
they are looking for certain things. They're looking for triggers. They're looking for um, identifiers that are going to tell them uh, my ROI is, is going to be more secure with this than it is with this other deal that I'm considering. You've got competition out there. So don't don't blow off the the importance of a business plan. I've seen a lot of people, you know, kind of roll your eyes at, oh, God, a business plan. That's so old fashioned. You don't really need that anymore. And that's just not true. It's not the case. And your executive summary, you know, um, being able to succinctly get some vital information to somebody in in that short two or two to four minutes that you have their attention for is critical. And if, if you don't have the expertise to communicate verbally and written, you know, you're you're going to lose out. Yeah, that's so true. And you said something else very important. And I want to expand on it just slightly. And that word is competition. In my experience, one of the worst things a person can do is say, well, I don't have any competition for this product. Oh, wow, that's wrong. There are just so many ways that products and services can be in competition with a broad range of others. And your earlier story about uh, the effect of the smartphone on the advertising and information uh, piece that you were putting out, that's a pretty good example. If you, mm-hmm. you know, you focused only on the printed aspect of the information, whereas other people were using the electronic means, mm-hmm. and then we can go beyond that. There are many other features that are possible. But, uh, yeah, that's one of the most dangerous things you can do is to say, I don't have any competition. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if somebody tells you that they don't have any competition, then I would I would run I would run away pretty quickly. If there's no competition out out there, um, then that tells you that there's something wrong there in, in, in that market. There's a reason why there's nobody out there doing it. There's there's some problem there somewhere um, that you need to to uh, to delve down in and figure out, you know, what's going on. What do you think of the idea of uh, t- going into an industry or a field where there is a lot of competition? You know, it's kind of like uh, going into a city and seeing a row of car dealerships, just one after another after another. And when you ask a dealer why do they do it that way, they say, well, it pulls all of the potential buyers in and they operate more effectively. Mm-hmm. Do you find that to be true? Yes, yo, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think um, uh, one of the things about all competition out there, and and you know, I was that's whoops, that me. Uh, I was writing an article uh, the other day. Oh, I forget what we were talking about, you guys. Uh, she was talking about the the uh, car dealership and the the way they competition. The, yeah, the competition. Competition like that, I think, is an is an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. And it can also be troublesome for some uh, uh, people. I think that as a, a business and as an entrepreneur, we sometimes fail to 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 find the one thing that we can do better than anybody else. That unique selling proposition, and it it sometimes like at a car dealership, they all have they're all selling cars. They all have some guy in the back making loans. They've all got, you know, somebody behind the curtain over there that that they go talk to in the negotiating process. There's all kinds of things that they all do. 
the challenge for a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs is find the one thing that we can do that's going to set us apart. What is that one thing that we can focus on that's going to make us so outstanding that when people drive down this street and they see these 10 different car dealers, they're going to drive past the first seven and pull into our driveway, which is number eight. What is that one thing that we can do to make people pull into our lot? And so... yeah. I think I think you're super, I think you you know obviously that's you, you've got it right there and I think one of the answers to that is service mm-hmm. and why I say that is because um, I remember several years ago when I was going to be purchasing uh, a Toyota I went in to get my Toyota serviced and the the um, salesman um, he noticed that I was just getting there uh, going there for service. But he propositioned me to buy another car, but I wasn't really in the market to buy another car. And this guy, he was just, I mean, this guy showed up to my office. He drove that car. It took him a month to sell me that car. And I don't think he made much commission after I negotiated it down. But um, he was just, he was so relentless and he showed up and he, personally drove that car to my office and he was just I mean the level of service was just amazing I'll never forget the level of service that he gave me yeah that's a great story and and you and I think you're right on it it, it is that you know the, the service how are you going to treat your your customers what are you going to do for them that nobody else will well, there, there's a million horror stories out there on customer service nowadays. Don't have to look very far for that. Yeah, that's a great story, Rose. Yeah, that's true. Let's uh, change our emphasis slightly and t- talk about real estate, both uh, commercial and residential. For the new investor, what should they be looking for for that kind of uh, an investment decision? Is it different than running a regular business? Yes, uh, absolutely. Real estate investing is a, uh, you know, I've been in the conversation about real estate investing for probably, well, for 20 years. And I still feel like I know practically next to nothing uh, for all the stuff that's out there. There are so many if and buts when it comes to real estate that you really need to have, again, somebody on your team who, who's going to be able to help you with this. There are There's lots of seminars out there, um, you know, books to read, uh, a million uh, places to get the education that you need to do, to do or to get started in real estate investing, I should say. I really think that there's a, a lot of stuff to understand. And I think that a lot of individuals have preconceived uh, ideas about what real estate investing is all about. Um, you know, Rose and I were talking about this uh, uh, last week. A lot of people think that real estate investing means I'm going to buy a house and turn around and rent it out. Or I'm going to buy this house and fix it up and turn around and sell it. For a lot of individuals, that's that's what it means. But there's other ways to play in real estate. Um, you can actually be the lender. You can be the person who raises the money and then goes out and lends it to that person to buy the house and rent it out. Or lend it to the person who's going to buy that house and rehab it and turn it around. So you be the, the individual who raises the capital from the investors and turns around and helps that individual who's doing the rehabbing. And everybody wins in that scenario. It's very attractive. It's a very cool model. So there's different ways of playing in real estate, and you have to have the team and the knowledge. In your opinion, which is the better place for an investor to go, the real estate market or general business financing? What, what would you suggest? Uh, you know, I had I used to ask this uh, ask that question to a mentor of mine all the time, and he would just always laugh and say, "You need both." 
Um, and so individuals that are building a portfolio, having a, a wide range of investments, you know, in business and in real estate is, uh, uh, is great. I think that for many individuals, real estate has a uh, more of a long-term security. It has, uh, you know, the tax benefits and, and appreciation and it helps you hedge against inflation and all that stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Building a business is a is a much riskier is a much riskier venture. Uh, what is it, John? Eighty five percent of startups fail within the, you know that those that first five years or so. Or it's so, at least ninety. Yeah, I think, yeah, 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 yeah it's I, much, I think much higher. So. So investing in business is a lot riskier, and uh, it, it, it depends on how you're going to do it and, you know, what the deal is, or, you know, are there are there stocks, or, you know, there's a lot of different variables there to, uh, for everybody to, to look at. So, and I think that everybody, we each have our own, what's the level of risk that I can live with and still put my head down on my pillow at night and go to sleep without a sleeping pill kind of thing? So you need to be comfortable on what your level of risk is. You know, what are you comfortable in? And be, you know, be clear about that and be okay with it. If, 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 if you're going to invest in something and it's going to stress you out so much that you can't sleep, you know, then, you know, you need to rethink that. Really take a step back and, and, and recognize. Yeah. Do you find that certain industries have more risk than others? Um, y yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the, uh, the tech industry is, is famous for something that, that is super hot today by tomorrow morning, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be dead. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be outmoded. There's new tech that replaces that. So you have to be very careful in the software and the tech industry. Excuse me, and and the service service type industries that are you know not product oriented, those are riskier also. So there are definitely industries that are more uh, or, or that carry more risk than others. Absolutely, restaurants, food industry, those are really high risk ventures. Yeah, that's true. You know, one of the earliest experiences I had in uh, growing a business, I was asked to help uh, put together a startup company. And there were six of us initially. There were two primary partners who went together to get this uh, thing launched. And then it was up to the six of us to uh, go from there. And uh, within a period of about two and a half years, we grew at a phenomenal rate. And we had a vertically integrated company, products and services, uh, we were doing well over $55 million in sales in a very, very short period of time. And we had 1,300 employees at the height of our growth after two and a half years. And then we ran out of cash. You know, it was <laughs> it was really a difficult situation. Um, right. In, in your experience. And I think that some people, some people find that hard to believe. How can you be doing $55 million in, in sales a year and then run out of cash? You know, but what people don't mm -hmm. realize is at the end of the day, uh, there's so many things that need to be paid. And the bigger you get, the more things need to be paid. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Well, we went to another company and became a subsidiary of their operation, a very large aerospace company. And then the next part of the story is, uh, unfortunately, the sad part. Within about six months, that particular company uh, went in and took all of our patents and various other technologies, pulled them into their own operations, and shut down everything that we had been doing. Uh. It was a really difficult time. And uh, suddenly there were over 300 persons who were left who were then having to close all the doors and shut it all down. It, it was a very unpleasant period. But I'll tell you what, it was the, one of the best educations I got in. Yes, you can have a great product, uh, a very really hot product within the marketplace. But if you're not careful, 
and how you deal with your cash, you can end up burying the business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Numbers, finances, numbers are your friend. Numbers are your friend. Numbers are your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, how would you like to uh, wind up this interview today? What would you like to find out? Well, um, I think that, um, I, I mean, I really had a, a great time here listening to Stephanie, and um, I think she actually put together some uh, an ebook for our listeners to um, to to receive. So um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you put together. Um, I, I was going through that ebook in terms of, you know, some top ten, um, I guess, important points in terms of. Um, you know, what to look out for when you're capital raising. So maybe you could tell our, uh, our listeners a little bit about this ebook here. Uh, sure. Um, I, uh, excuse me. We're going, to, we're going to give everybody a copy of the ebook, aren't you, Rose? Yeah, we are. We are. So, so. it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it just talks about the 10 things that, uh, 10, 10 things that successful individuals know about raising capital. Um, I think that, well, I'll tell you, I think that John and I both, over between the two of us, we've probably talked over 5,000 people, maybe 10,000 individuals about their product and their, and their service. And um, it's unfortunate that there are a lot of uh, business coaches and individuals out there who will turn around and tell you, you know, if you want to build this business you got to go out there and raise 50 million dollars and you're gonna you're gonna fail if you don't do that within you know uh, uh, three to six months so they get these big ideas and 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 think that i need to go out there and raise 50 million dollars and get all stressed out and and fail hugely so there you don't need to go well i, I shouldn't say that you very very well may need all 50 million but there's um, a way to to raise capital in stages. There's uh, there's different ways for you to meet your goals w- without without going to, uh, 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 after that whole fifty million the the first time around. So this ebook does talk about um, the different things that you can do to make your chances of raising capital a little bit more successful. It's a risky venture getting out there and raising capital. It's probably one of the most um, um, critical and important things um, as a business owner or an entrepreneur that you will do. And it is uh, when you take somebody's money, you are taking responsibility for that money as well. And, you know, some people uh, that comes with a lot of responsibilities. So you have to really assess, do I really need to raise capital? Am I willing mentally and physically to give away parts of my business? I'll tell you that that mental part was very hard for me when I was doing my franchise. And I you know, recognized that by raising capital and getting these individuals and giving them shares, that meant that it was no longer just my baby. It was somebody else's baby, too, and they had a vested interest in it, which meant that sometimes all those decisions, you know, that final say would not just be mine. Right. It means that you have to have a a team raising capital means that you got to monitor your mindset. You have to. When you're a business owner and when you're raising capital, it's amazing to me. A hard lesson was how much of the time I was on, right? My on switch was turned on. It's it's rarely ever turned off when you're in that leadership position. Even going to the grocery store or, you know, going down to the, uh, uh, to the hardware store, you see people, people see you. People start inferring things from actions or from faces, you know, from facial expressions or from the uh, one uh, one phrase or, or, or a set of words can be taken totally out of context and used against you. I mean, just all you have to do is turn on Twitter or Facebook to see um, how how communication uh, affects leadership, excuse me, and leaders in their role. So when you're raising capital, there's all these things that, that you need to be on top of. 
And hopefully this ebook will help you recognize what those things are and help you help you in your uh, in your processes make it a little bit easier. Well, that sounds like something everybody must have, at least in their initial thought process around uh, doing business. And in fact, even the more advanced uh, investors can learn a few things from it. I hope so. Thank you. Well, Stephanie, what's the final thought that you'd like to uh, put out for our listeners today? What is the takeaway that they really must have? The one final thought that's really sums it all up. It is a complicated world out there. And there's all the stuff that we know we don't know. But then again, there's all the stuff that we don't know that we don't know. That, you know, that that phrase there. I like that one. That's something that always sticks with me in that there's so much out there to learn, so much knowledge to be had that it's it can be totally overwhelming at times. So you, you just really have to recognize that it's it's OK to ask for help. In fact, it's good to ask for help. It's awesome to ask for help. So do it more often. <laughs> do it all the time. Get the help that you need in order to increase your chances of success. I think that's definitely, yeah, definitely important. There's an old saying, when you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's, a good one. That's a Midwest saying. I'll bet you. Is that that what it is? Midwest saying, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Ask us how we know that, right? Uh, that sounds like the conversation that Nancy and I would be having. And Nancy's a Midwesterner, too. <laughs> ah, shoot. So, Rose, it's back to you. Well, it's definitely been a pleasure here, Stephanie. Um, I'm excited to, you know, share with our listeners, you know, your ebook, your knowledge. You know, I thank you for your time here, and uh, we're going to definitely have you back on on various other topics that we're going to be discussing because, you know, when people think of capital raising, you know, it it means so much, and it could mean so much to different people. And so um, no matter whether you're a startup company, whether you're a five-year-old company, we all need capital to operate our business. Uh, but sometimes, you know, we need to find out where we're bleeding, bleeding money. Um, mm. and, and sometimes, you know, going out there to raise capital may not always be the solution, you know, but maybe having those right mentors, you know, that can look at your business Uh, our business model and see, you know, how it can improve. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I guess we're going to have to figure out a way how, you know, how we're going to get this ebook to people who do request it. I think that um, maybe uh, one of the ways is that, you know, if they can go on to our website uh, and then we have some sort of link to it where they can input their information and, and get the ebook automatically, um, sent to them. I think that that would make everything a lot more efficient for us. I agree. Uh, yeah. So creating some sort of autoresponder, um, I think, might be helpful. Excuse me. Uh, we have uh, we have the capability to to do that on our end if that works for you, or I can help oh, you okay. on your end. You know, whatever works. I'm open. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm going to stop the recording here a moment, unless you want to continue with some thoughts. No, I think that that's good. But maybe at the end, you know, we can refer people to the website, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe maybe we can come up with some sort of, you know, tag to where we can direct people to the site and get information. And I think it'd be very helpful if, um, I'm not sure if you've registered on our site, uh, Stephanie, but when you do, you can actually create articles. It's, uh, I'll have to show you some of the functionalities and features of the site. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I think uh, I know that I signed up for the newsletter. I don't think I've registered on the site yet. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if you want to go ahead and register, and then um, okay. I can, at I'll some point I can walk you through, you know, some of the um, valuable tools that you could use, you know. Yeah, I'll do that today. I'll do it. Uh, I'll get in there and do that and get that done today. Well, thank you so much, uh, Stephanie. You did a, a great job. Oh, it was fun. I had a lot of fun. It's, you know, like I said, uh, Rose, my mom used to tell me this story. I think I was about, um, she said about 14 or 15 months old, and I would wake up and just, she'd be downstairs getting my my brother or, or my dad off to work or, you know, whatever it is that moms do, and I'd climb out of my crib, crawl down the steps, crawl into the kitchen, climb up on the high chair, which just happened to be under the telephone, and I would pick up that telephone and start talking to the operator. Mom said that. <laughs> Mom said that that she would leave me there for like half an hour or, or you know 45 minutes, and I'd just be talking, 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 talking to nobody sometimes. So you know, it's a uh, it's one of those skills. <laughs> <laughs> CAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.